Heidi wanted out of the slum, and her agent wasn't doing enough. Oh my God, they moved Heidi right next to me now. Although Heidi seems serene. She is, she's a bit naughty. She uses an ancient folk remedy to help calm her down. Heidi is back. through another work week. Happy Friday, everybody. Heidi Glaus here with Josh Gilbert. Connor doing the hard work over there, working the uh, board. Josh came in, and I know this is going to shock a lot of you, kind of complaining. Uh. So it's not just on air. He (laughs) does it back in the office as well. That's why sometimes I put my headphones on. But your complaint on this Friday, February 2nd, mm-hmm. has to do with what? It has to do with parking, specifically city parking. Mm-hmm. And I heard McGraw this morning, completely unrelated, he was complaining about how many uh, what uh, parking spots like are in front of Target for the, uh, you know, you, you order ahead and then curbside delivery He's or whatever. He's complaining that they take up too many spots? Yes. And I've noticed it as well. Well, um, what do you care? Because, I mean, those are prime prime spots. Yeah, but you are a healthy young man. Sure. McGraw is, yep. too. You shouldn't be taking those spots anyway. Oh, I should be parking them back? I mean, you probably need to get a few more steps in. What is that? Anyway, <clears throat> I'm down seven pounds, by the way. Nice. Starting restarting my diet. Um now, that makes me angry. Men can lose weight so, so f- fast. I've got a lot more to lose than no, you do, No, you though. don't, but that is just, oh, that makes me want to grit my teeth. Uh, I'm driving into work today, and fluttering underneath the windshield wiper is a ticket from the city of St. Louis. And my wife went to happy hour after work yesterday, a going away party for mm-hmm. a, a co-worker, and... It's the car that I took, so I knew exactly what had happened. Well, she parked on the street mm-hmm. at a, you know. And apparently didn't see it when she got in. No. No, she never sees them. I'm the only one that sees them. Uh-huh. Um, Does she expect you to pay it? Oh, no, but I'm I'm going to anyway. Just because if, the quicker you pay these things, you know, sometimes they, they're like, they knock half off if you pay it within 10 days. Is that true? You didn't know that? Uh-uh. Uh, they at least they used and to. And I've gotten plenty of those. Then they like triple if you don't pay them at all. Well, that I do know. Time of night, six fifty-two p.m. Mm, it stops at seven. It stops at seven. <laughs> and I even I texted her this morning. I said, "Did you were you aware you got a ticket?" And I'm like laughing emojis because I use emojis. Uh, you guys don't. But I said laughing emojis. It stops at seven. So they, they got her just in time. Well, they're probably making their last round. Making their last round. Yeah. And if memory serves me correctly, City of St. Louis also has the meters running on Saturdays. I think they do now. 
My question slash complaint is not that we got a ticket because I I honestly hate when people complain after they did something wrong. Like, I was only going 75. Don't these police officers have better things to do? You were going 75. Mm -hmm. You deserve it. It's the law. It's the law. And if you got popped, you got popped. I'm not complaining. I'm going to pay this. Earlier the better. But why are meters running until 7 o'clock at night? Why are meters even running at all on Saturdays when the biggest problem with downtown St. Louis, Heidi, you know it and I know it too, is that the place becomes a ghost town after 5 p.m. And on the weekends, they are doing everything and anything they can to get people to come to St. Louis City on days not called carnal baseball games. Mm -hmm. So why are we nickel and diming ourselves when all we want to do is go downtown and enjoy the benefits of downtown? Now, we, I think our show is the biggest boosters of downtown St. Louis. I would agree. I think we have conversations with Greater St. Louis. Mm -hmm. We talk about all the good things that are coming downtown. We, We... Mention the bad things. Because you have to. You have to. We're not in denial. We're not harping on it. And I'm not sitting here going, I'm never crossing that bridge again. Because I live in St. Charles now. But I tell you, people like my dad will say, and maybe he's just neurotic, but he says, oh, you know, if we're going down, where are we going to park? You know, there's plenty of places to park. There are. But why put any impediments into having people come downtown at night or on the weekends well, I mean, it's revenue. It's but is is it revenue that they need to keep the lights on? I, I mean, is this is am, am I wrong? Am I looking at this all wrong, or is the city of St. Louis nickel and diamond us for parking meters to be open until seven? Probably because they know that after work people will go out to happy hour. Well, it used to not be seven. It didn't. It used to not be Saturday afternoons. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who made that switch, but I would say it's rare to get one at that hour. I always right. Uh, I thought chance it, was eight, it eight minutes. Yeah, before the cutoff, mm-hmm. and and she got popped. I always kind of roll the dice. So I'm not complaining that we got the ticket because I know the laws. I know the rules. If I went down, would I have paid the meter or remembered to pay the meter? I don't know. I can't say. But the question is, why are we making it harder on people to come downtown when that's the thing we need the most? Yeah. Right? Am I, I wrong? Am I complaining here? I mean, you are complaining. Okay. And I probably need to dig into it more to see where that money is going, how much the city makes off of that but here again just another reason not to go downtown and get robbed and shot according to someone josh i've thought the same thing uh i agree with you i've always thought that i hate going to the big box stores and the grocery stores and somebody sitting in the car waiting for somebody to bring groceries out to a parking spot talking about those other parking spots other spots um Somebody else saying they got a ticket in the West End when the time wasn't even up, had to call and tell them they took it off immediately. How do you prove but that? Really, probably a picture. Oh yeah. As far as that goes. Are there any are there any places that don't have paid parking? I mean 
you're proposing this idea, but is there anywhere that does this, uh, or is it just Webster a... Groves? You can park along that main. Oh, really? Street yeah. and um. And I'm ve- I'm very careful to look at the street signs and the ones that say no parking here uh, except on Sundays between three and five. You know, I'll do the math. What is today? You yeah, know? and I'll I'll be very careful about parking. Maplewood too. They have that stretch. There's a couple of it's you know, free where it's free. It's it's free in the loop. I th- no loop no? has meters. They got meters uh-huh. now. Mm-hmm. Mm, and like the two yeah. watts in the the loop also have a. You're supposed yeah, to pay. you have to pay. You, what about that one behind the old Cicero's? No, you have to pay. That's a pay lot now? It's been a pay lot for a long time. Yeah. I yeah. think you just went past I've, the... I've really been out of the loop. Oh. Although in the loop... Don't, don't even groan at that. <laughs> just go past it. Although in the loop, you can kind of park on those the side streets. Those don't have meters. The side streets. Yeah. Like in right and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, that, was my, that was my one axe to grind because I want St. Louis to have... N- don't give people a reason to say, well, I'm not going down. They charge for parking even on Saturdays, you know. Yeah. Somebody said you go to Soulard Market on the weekend, you have to pay at the meter. Kirkwood, parking is free as well, somebody's pointing out. St. Charles doesn't charge for parking. Come on out. See? Does anywhere charge for parking <laughs> in all these places? I mean, it can't be, right? It's just going to be certain places within those, yeah. within those cities. There are no meters in uh, Lafayette Square. Really? Okay. Mm-mm. Okay. All right. So, I, I wonder why they picked certain neighborhoods and, and I not. think now, I don't know if this is correct, but I think there are also some neighborhood decisions in there. Like, I don't think as a as a Lafayette Square neighborhood, we wanted to put meters because we did not want to deter people from coming to the restaurants my, and to go shopping. But I my think, point exactly. But I think there are neighborhood <laughs> associations that have a say. Like I'm, I'm thinking of the rest of Soulard. Not every street in Soulard has meters. There are some, like they just mentioned, by the market, but not. Everywhere in, in, in the hill, what is the is does the, not have no meters. meters. What is the point of a parking meter? If they they put them outside of the Soulard Market because they know we can get people here. Mm-hmm. So w- why are we trying to get people? You know, if the spots open, just let them park there. Yeah. Is that is that wrong? Or on a Saturday when you're really hurting for people to come down and visit? Your stores and restaurants, can you just make it free? You know, a Cardinal game on a Saturday, obviously I'm going to a paid paid lot because there's not enough street parking for all 55,000 fans. So maybe those people just got there early and they they get a free ride. Who cares? It can't really bring in that much money. Somebody from the 636, parking meters are a scam more now than ever. You can't use someone's time. If they leave early. Oh, so they're yeah. double dipping. Yes. St. Louis University is one of the biggest offenders. That's interesting. I've never really thought about that. Because the, I'm paying for my ticket on my phone, so there really is no meter Right. Involved. And maybe it is what this person is saying from the 314, the meters prevent long-term parking. Well, they kick back on again uh, come Monday morning. You know, I've had downtown Clayton. I've had the issue where I've gone out and I've done the responsible thing and taken an Uber home. Mm-hmm. 
And then I did the irresponsible thing and didn't pick my car until Monday, and I had a ticket on it. Right. Which I deserved that 100%. Yeah. Somebody else is saying, don't judge people who pick up orders. The person may have just had knee surgery, have a sleeping baby in the car. It's not just because a person is too lazy to shop for themselves. That's our friend Liz. If meters were not there, workers would park there all day. I don't have a problem with meters running during the daytime when business is at its peak. I got Mm -hmm. a problem with why do they shut them off at 7 and not 5 or 6. So... Shouldn't they just run them all day then? Why do they stop at all? That almost sounds like the argument. Well, I'm, no, I'm not advocating for well, that. Well, that almost <laughs> sounds like what you are. Maybe yeah. we get someone who knows about this. Right, yes. On next week. The meters are. And find out. I did a series one time of what it's like to be in a job where everybody hates you. Like, we all kind of get mad at the meter maid, right? I mean, it's not her fault or his fault. They're just doing their job. I don't think I've ever had a run-in with the meter. Well, maid. a run-in, but you, don't you kind of? I kinda... have, and they gave me the ticket anyway. They uh-huh. drive around in that little three-wheeler, you know. Well, in Clayton. In Clayton, yeah. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. city, it's different. Or like, what about the person who has to give a shot all day? You uh, know, like there are certain jobs that are just. Are you skittish about shots? I don't like it. Really? Do you give blood? I need to do better. And I was talking to my college roommate the other day, who has given. It seems like. Three gallons. I don't know what the real number is. She gives every single time she can. She's like, I am taking you next time I'm in town. Is it a out of sight, out of mind thing? Or is it a needle thing? No, it's out of sight, out of mind. I mean, I can handle needles, I obviously. Oh, with all your tattoos? Not all. All of them. She looks like like jelly roll. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Post Malone over here. Yeah, you sound like my mother. (laughs) No. I have one decent size one and a couple little bitty stamps as far as that goes. But can I tell you something that happened to me yesterday? Uh, well, I'll just say this. Okay. Tashara Jones was the treasurer, and she was on, I think, when they decided to go to Saturdays. Because mm-hmm. I remember the news story. Because at that time, I said, well, that's ridiculous. And then lo and behold, three years later, I'm still complaining about it. So yes. I think it's the treasurer's responsibility to pick and choose. I thought at one point they were doing something specific. With the money from the meters, like if it was to help, uh, like a, a specific, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna mess this up, but I thought there was a reason for all of this, and they were this money was going to a specific cause, and that was part of the reason they added Saturday and extended it. And like St. Jude's or something, no, something in the city, something to pay for something specific in the city, and I'll. If we get a chance, I'll Google it. But I've got it. This is just left me kind of in awe and rethinking my own how I've treated people or how maybe I've gotten certain things wrong through the year. So yesterday, in the 3 o'clock hour, I got a text from one of our listeners And I don't know exactly what we were talking about, but he said, Heidi, I remember seeing you several years ago at a restaurant, and he named the restaurant, and you were having one of those don't-you-know-who-I-am moments. And we thought how rude, and 
thankfully, we've come to enjoy you on the radio. And I, like, Heidi. sat back in my chair. How dare you? Right. And I will tell you right now, I've done a lot of bad things. <laughs> please, I'm not. Please tell us. Going to act like I'm some angel. However, that is one thing I swear I have never, ever done. And I can say that because I did get to witness certain prima donnas when I was an intern. And I told myself I'm never going to be like that. So anyway, I texted back. And I'm like, are you sure it was me? This is really not something I would do. Could you by chance have me mixed up? I'll just go ahead and say it. Wendy Bell, who was on Show Me St. Louis when it first started. And it was, well, we thought it was you. But if we're wrong, I'm sorry. And by the end of the show, they had Googled a picture of Wendy. Wendy Bell. And they say, we're sorry. It was her, not you. Now, this, by the way. She has not lived in St. Louis since 1998. They have thought that I acted that way, probably told 10 friends, and there's nothing that you can do about it. It's out there, and it is so against everything in my being. Now, you might have seen me at some point in my 20s when I was out and about at Mardi Gras, Act oh, like I've, an idiot. I've witnessed you do things like that in yeah. your fifties, mm-hmm. and you've only been fifty for a month, right? <laughs> but that's just not something. So it just made me think: How often do we think it was somebody, and it wasn't, and then we hold this thing, a grudge, or we're we see them in a different light, and it wasn't even the person at all. I saw uh, this firsthand. Friends of mine, two groups got together, and one. Oh man, I've always hated that Chris guy. Yeah. Why? Oh, because he, he you know, dated my sister and da, da 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 or something. And then we get to the bottom of it, and we're like, it wasn't him; it was somebody else. And he's like, I've hated this guy for twenty years. Exactly. And it wasn't even him this whole time. So I guess what I'm saying on this Friday is, if you are holding a little grudge, if you're mad about something, maybe let it go and move forward in this new year a little lighter, a little happier, because maybe you don't have it right, or maybe you don't know the situation, or it wasn't, you know. Oh, man, you've been misremembering it Uh for the last 20 years. Yeah, Boy, he was probably bad-mouthing you up and down, telling all of his restaurant friends that Heidi comes in. She's yeah, gonna, be careful. She's a prima donna. Yeah. And, it, and here's what is so funny. I mean, in the scheme of things, I was probably the most insecure person on TV that's ever been. I mean, like, to have—yeah, I guess we all have some sort of ego, and at 50, I probably—I'm not going to say that I don't. However, you know— I've never seen that bone Mm-mm. in your body. I, I, I feel like, uh, in a kind way, my parents have kept me in check. I, I've, <laughs> I've seen you get catty. 
I've seen you get uh, other things that we won't mention on the air, but I've never seen that bone. Yeah. Show. Somebody said, Heidi, how do you get your cell phone number? He texted on this show. On the text line. The same one you're texting. 84126, yeah. Woods Basement Systems text line. Kind of uh, crazy. Anyway, uh, we've got a great show for you. I hope you will hang around and be a part of it because you are always a big part of it. As you know, we got Mike Ward coming in, and uh, we're kind of switching things up a bit. We're talking whiskey and one of my favorites, Whistle Pig, because the big game is next weekend. Deerberg's has something for everyone, but we're going to focus on whiskey this afternoon. If you have a question for Mike Ward, you can always text on the Woods Basement Systems text line 84126. We're also going to talk about this new report about inflation and who's really behind it. And that might surprise you. You know, I think for a while, especially uh, during COVID, we blamed... That we played uh, supply chain issues. We often blame whoever's in office, but the gas prices. Yeah, we'll find out who's really behind it. We'll also check in with Dave Packer, ABC News, because uh, U.S. employers added more than three hundred fifty thousand jobs, which is more than was anticipated. We'll also check in with uh, Alex Stone at, later in the four o'clock. This California teen with this crazy swatting scheme. It's crazy. Anyway, we've got all that and then all the regular good stuff in the 5 o'clock, the top 5 at 5, some entertainment news, and then we'll wrap this show up with some random. Inflation affects all of us, but who's really behind it? A new report points the finger at... Corporate Profits, Lindsay Owens is the executive director of Groundwork Collaborative, and she joins us with what the Groundwork Collaborative Think Tank found. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So a lot of people want to blame the president, but he's not actually at fault? Yeah, look, there are a lot of causes for the inflation that we've seen over the past couple of years. And, you know, families have really been feeling the pinch. Um, You know, goods really across the economy um, are up. Prices of groceries are up. Prices of housing is up. Uh, You know, the price of of gas has been up um, at points over the last couple of years. Um, But one really key culprit behind the rising prices that Americans pay um, is corporate profiteering. And we've got a couple of data points that really Um, prove this point. Um, The first is, while the price you pay has been up about 3% over the last year in 2023, the price producers pay, um, so the price that the folks who buy the stuff that they then make into stuff and sell to you, um, is really only up 1%. Um, So they're not only passing along their 1% increase in cost, um, they're passing along more. They're passing along 3%. And you're... um, you know, you're really paying that extra amount, and that's that's resulting in really large increases in profits um, for companies. The other example that we saw in the paper is we looked at, um, historically, the components of price growth, and we looked at three different components. So we looked at the labor contribution. That's how much, you know, workers' wages contribute to price increases. We looked at the non-labor contribution. That's how much, um, you know, the underlying stuff costs, and if the stuff 
that um, you know the the sort of ingredients that go into an item. Um, if the price of those increases, then of course that can contribute to price growth. And then we also looked at a third piece, and that is the component um, being driven by profits. And what we found is that historically, um, over the 40 years prior to the pandemic, profits drove just 11% of price growth. Um, but in the last year, profits have driven about 53% of price growth. Whoa. So there's been a five-fold increase um, in the contribution of profits to price growth. So is part of this just at a certain time, shareholders saw this uh, you know, company make more money, and now you can't go backwards? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, Americans are more attuned to the sort of price level than they are inflation. And so even though um, even though inflation has been cooling, um, you know, prices are still going up, um, but prices haven't come down for a lot of goods. But I think what we're seeing here is, you know, early in the pandemic, um, you know, supply chain issues um, really did contribute to some sort of justifiable price increases, right? Um, stuff was more expensive for producers, and they passed along their rising costs. Um, in many cases, they pass this along a little bit extra, right? They um, they didn't just sort of break even on the on that. They um, you know they grabbed a little extra profit. And remember, they were profitable before the pandemic, so this was sort of on top of their historical profit. What we're now seeing, and what I think is driving this really big shift from sort of 11 percent historically to 53 percent in the last year, is actually in many cases. Um, producers' prices are decreasing, declining in some cases, right? So um, some commodities have have fallen, commodity prices have fallen, and they're continuing to keep those high prices that they're passing along to consumers. So their um, margins are expanding because their costs are are going down, but they're not passing along any of those savings to you. So So that, I think, is what's driving this really big shift in the last year. It's getting cheaper for them to make the product, yet they're charging you more than ever. Yeah, so a great example that we that we talk about in the paper is diapers. Um, you know, diaper prices are up, and if you have to buy diapers, um, which I do, I have an infant at home, um, you know, you really notice um, the cost of diapers. But um, the key ingredient um, in diapers, the, the sort of pulp, the absorbent paper, um, the cost of that has come down considerably. Um, but, you know, the big diaper giants, Kimberly-Clark and Procter & Gamble, haven't passed along any of that um, you know, pulp price savings along to the consumer. So uh, I want to talk about diapers in a minute because I also have a son in diapers and it's something that <laughs> I I have to buy. There's no boycott I can do against Huggies. I, I have to buy diapers. Um, but during the pandemic, and I don't necessarily want to equate the pandemic uh, with wartime World War II, but there was rationing during wartime, and I think our grandparents and and great-grandparents were happy to do it. Um, During the pandemic, prices went up, but we all kind of felt like, oh, well, we're all in this together, and prices might be high because we've seen the backups at at the ports of entry, and, and I can see that there are supply chain snarls. So it might be high, but I'm happy to do it because we're all in this together. And it seems like the corporations said, well, they don't really seem to mind paying higher prices, so let's raise them even more. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head here. Um, we started looking into this problem really um, midway through 2021. And the way we began investigating this before you started seeing the profits data, which, you know, lags a little bit, you don't get you don't get the profits data right away, is we um, we looked at something that you do get a little bit quicker, which is um, CEOs earnings calls, right? These are the calls that um, companies have with their investors on a quarterly basis where they talk about um, how they're doing, you know, what their profits are, what their outlook is, uh, what their pricing strategies are. And what we really saw over and over again when we listened in on those earnings calls, and by the way, anyone, you know, can listen in on an earnings call. They're publicly available, um, is we heard over and over CEOs saying, wow, it's it's really so interesting. Um, prices are going up and we're passing them along to the consumer and consumers are still buying things. So we're actually going to see if we can raise our prices even more. Um, you know, it was the sort of natural experiment, a real-time experiment for these companies. And remember, um, we haven't really experienced inflation in this country in 40 years. So these CEOs, you know, many, most of them were not the CEO 40 years ago. And this is the first time that they've experienced something like this. And so they were kind of trying it on for size themselves. And um, I think in many cases, um, you know, they liked what they saw. They liked the um, margin, profit margin expansion they were able to get from passing along these higher prices. And, um you know, they they said so on the calls. They would say things like, "We're gonna we're gonna take this pricing as far as we can. We're gonna see how much more we can push pricing." Um, you know, sometimes using sort of euphemisms and technical jargon, but often just saying the the quiet part out loud. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go for broke here. We're gonna price gouge, and um, you know, we'll stop when consumers um, balk. Oh, Lindsay, you mentioned diapers, but is this basically across the board uh, with companies? Is there any company that's saying, you know what, we've done well, we're going to back things off a bit? Yeah, I mean, early in the pandemic, when um, one thing we saw early during this period of high inflation, one thing we actually saw, I think this was right at the end of 2021, um, there were a couple of companies who said they were thinking about, um, you know, keeping prices a bit lower, um, either because reputationally they're known for low prices um, or because they thought maybe, um, you know, it might it could result in a competitive advantage. Oh, right? the, uh, um, we'll keep our prices low. The ice will come over to us. The iced tea people. The Arizona iced that's tea right, people. Arizona iced tea. That's right. They were one of them. Um, but I'll tell you, um, it, it, that's an interesting example because Arizona iced tea is a privately held company. And publicly held companies who announced this strategy, including Target, um, were completely uh, demolished by their shareholders. I mean, big, big plummets in stock prices after these announcements. And that was all the discipline that these CEOs needed to um, immediately reverse course and and, um, you know, march along with the other companies who were, um, you know, going as far as they could on pricing. So is there a way to better control inflation and help consumers? And look, inflation has been coming down. Um, we have seen now um, more than 18 months of cooling inflation off its peak. And, you know, we do expect um, continued, um, you know, cooling on inflation broadly. Um, however, you know, I think there is this kind of last mile problem in inflation, and I do think corporate markups are a big part of the last mile. I think if companies would be willing to, um, you know, take markups that look a bit more like the historical average instead of their kind of, um, you know, gangbusters um, pandemic inflation markups, I, I do think we could get some relief for consumers on prices. 
as a consumer, like I said, I've got no choice but to buy diapers outside of a of a boycott of boycotting Procter and Gamble or boy and, and good luck avoiding Procter and Gamble. They make everything. What what can we do every time we go to the grocery store? Well, I think the first thing is we, we should just go back to that point. Procter and Gamble and Kimberly Clark control seventy percent of the domestic market for diapers. Whoa. And so if they both keep, you know, all the brands that you see, you think you have all this choice. There's love, there's huggies, there's pampers. They're all made by the same two conglomerates. And so, um, you know, if both of them keep prices high, um, you know, they don't have to worry about anybody coming in and undercutting them on price. Um, and so that's part of the way that um, this, this strategy has been so successful for the companies. You know, on, on the policy solutions here, you know, I'm not a big believer in the idea that individuals, individual consumers are responsible for figuring out how to solve this problem. I think this is ultimately a problem um, that our government needs to take on. Um, You know, do we as a country want an economy in which companies can exploit a crisis to run up the score? Or do we as a country want an economy in which corporations, um, you know, can make that a healthy profit, but can't go for broke um, during a crisis. And I think, you know, for me, I think, and for many Americans, we've looked at the polling on this. The answer is, um, the answer is that companies shouldn't be um, exploiting their market power um, and, and profiteering during a period of high inflation or a pandemic or a supply crisis. And so I think it really is up to the government to take on this problem. And the Biden administration has put in a number of, um, you know, put in place a number of policies to take this on. Um, they have cracked down on some of these large monopolies. Um, you know, we just saw one of the airline um, mergers um, was blocked. Um, so they are doing, I think, everything they can to make sure, um, you know, this problem doesn't get worse. But ultimately, I really don't think this is up to consumers um, to fix. This is a place where we need our um, our state attorneys general um, and our lawmakers to step in and, and make sure the market is um, fair for all uh, all consumers. Now, Lindsay, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Mr. Mom um, from the 80s. Oh, it's been a while. But uh, Michael Keaton loses his job. Terry Gar goes back to work for an ad agency, and she comes up with yeah. this, this tuna campaign where Martin Mull goes to the American people in a commercial and says, Tyler Tuna is raising their prices because inflation has gone up. But we're Americans, and so are you. And when prices go back down, we'll lower our prices, too. And the big American flag drops down, and it's great. Everybody applauses. Yeah. Should I not be holding my breath that Procter & Gamble (laughs) does that, too? Probably not, although I don't think it it would be a terribly – you know, I think it could be a potentially savvy business move. I mean, as you mentioned, it's kind of the play that Arizona Ice Tea ran um, early in the pandemic, where they, you know, they stuck with their sort of one dollar products um, that they'd had for for decades. Um, yeah, I think you know, there's something really interesting happening in Europe right now. Um, obviously, they have a different sort of set of regulations, but the grocers in Europe um, renegotiate prices with um, suppliers on an annual basis. And the grocers are really sick of these um, food companies like Nestle and Pepsi and, you know, the big companies over here are the same as the big companies over there. Um, they're sick of them charging so much, particularly given that uh, given now that their prices have come down, their input costs are down. And so in advance of these annual negotiations, um, the, the, the big grocer Carrefour is really playing hardball. And they've started actually um, marking with stickers um, the products that they feel um, are 
um, you Overpriced. know, uh, where there's gouging. Wow. Very interesting. Well, Lindsay Owens yeah. uh, with the Groundwork Collaborative Think Tank. Thank you so much for sharing your data with us. This is really interesting. Yeah, happy to talk about it. Thanks for having me. You know, one place where you're not going to be gouged, you're actually going to get a great deal right now, is Byerly RV. Now is a fantastic time to get out to Byerly and see what's on the lot. I mean, they have so many options. They have a ton of used RVs. They have so many used RVs. I mean, Byerly's been doing this for 75 years, locally and family-owned St. Louis business. I love that. But RVing is just a really great way to get away without really leaving the comforts of your home. It's basically your home on wheels, and you take that wherever you want to go. We've already got like four trips planned this year. I put my vacation in earlier today. And uh, Byerly has something for everybody. You can actually go com, and there's a button you can click, know what you can tow. If that's something you want, you could see if the car you're driving right now can is, I mean, you could fit a football field in this thing, but it's climate controlled. So if you already have an RV, this is going to really help preserve what you have purchased. It's better for your tires. It's better for your roof. It's better for your paint job. So you can learn more about everything Byerly RV is doing. ByerlyRV.com. Good news. U.S. employers hired far more workers than expected in January. Dave Packer, ABC News correspondent in New York, joins us with that story. Why was it a surprise? Well, it was a surprise because analysts were saying 185,000 jobs expected. And sure enough, that number almost doubled, 353,000 jobs. Now, usually these are, you know, errors, you know, of maybe, I don't know, uh, 10, 15 percent, 20. But when you get to an error like that, you're saying, wait a minute, they they seriously underestimated the number of jobs that were created. And and so that's what happened. Unemployment steady uh, at a half century low of 3.7 percent. And Dave, I do a show on the weekends. We talk taxes, we talk the economy, talk the latest in news when it comes to the economy. And and the whole time we're saying that the inflation numbers and and the high interest rates, that's, that's meant to slow the economy down. But it seems to just keep charging ahead anyway. Right. I mean, that's what they expect. In fact, the, you know, the, the Fed was uh, starting to telegraph that, you know, down the road, we're going to start easing back on these rates. The idea was to slow the economy. And of course, you know, everybody loves jobs. And I, I talked earlier today to the acting labor secretary, and she was, of course, ecstatic. But, you know, for the Biden administration, you want to say, OK, we're creating jobs. But uh, we, what the other part of that is that if there's more jobs, then there's more competition for jobs. Salaries go up. Prices go up to pay those salaries, and inflation goes up. That's basically, in a nutshell, why the Fed's been trying to slow things down a little bit. So what this means is we've still got an economy that's picking up steam despite the headwinds of these higher interest rates. So so what's going on? Why, why are the economists confounded on this? Well, you know, economists go through boom and bust cycles when they study these things. They go back, and they, th- these are organic um, changes in the economy when things go up and things go down. Uh, Don't forget, you know, during the pandemic, we created, we basically manufactured a slowdown. And so there isn't really a a model for what do you do when, what happens to the economy when it comes back? Um, Does it just pick up where it left off? 
or does it ramp itself back up? It seems like it wants to quickly um, pick up where it left off in 2019. And, and, and so thus, uh, that's where we are right now. And that's why these analysts seem to be just as clueless as the rest of us. Dave, is there one particular area where more jobs uh, became available? Yeah, absolutely. Um, healthcare is big and, and it continues to be big as the population ages. And I don't know uh, if that's going to even change depending on any kind of policy. Um, hospitality, people are traveling. Uh, construction, building uh, and local government, of course, uh, which is always uh, a growth industry. But uh, we've seen um, some cutbacks in other areas, a series of high-profile layoffs from Google and UPS and Amazon. We've seen um, retail cuts. Uh, a lot of these businesses may be overhired, like tech uh, and media. Uh, so, and in fact, uh, the acting secretary, uh, Julie Sue, said uh, she was talking about venture capital coming in and, and slashing jobs in the media sector um, so that that wasn't sort of, a, you know, a natural occurrence in, in that industry. Um, you know, kind of kind of writing that up. Uh, it remains to be seen, um, you know, how but it seems to be broad based uh, in terms of the rest of the economy, other than those specific sectors. So when you see big numbers like this today, hiring 353,000 jobs in January, but then you see a story that you mentioned, uh, UPS, laying off 12,000 uh, employees, uh, what, is, what does that say about the economy, or does it say more about that particular industry, or does it say more about UPS itself? Well, I think it's it's a little bit of all of it. I think that um, you know the the, the uh, pandemic economy was you know this sort of nobody going out, everybody mail ordering, and maybe that was part of it with UPS. I mean, obviously, um, you know, retail hasn't come back to where it was in in let's say two thousand five. Um, but a lot of the stuff has to sort itself out. I think some of those businesses did overhire, um, and and we're seeing that sort of. Um, work itself out. Uh, I, I, I don't expect UPS or Google or Amazon to, to go anywhere anytime soon. Dave, when you were talking with the acting secretary of labor, did she say anything about interest rates? She, uh, you know, she, she talked about she wants to see them go down. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think someone from the administration is going to make that leap and say, listen, we have to cut jobs in this economy to settle interest rates. That's just something that's not politically palatable for, mm -hmm. for people to hear from someone from the administration. I mean, I, I think maybe off the record she might say that, but she wasn't going to say that to me in person. But she, she, she was generally optimistic and positive about this numbers, and rightfully so. I mean, we've dodged this recession that we were supposed to you know, have, and it never really came. And the, this, you know, elusive soft landing seems to uh, actually have happened. Of course, you know, I don't want to count chickens here. Um, there's still time for things to, to go off the rails. But generally, uh, things have, have gone better than expected. And in this divided country we live in, does Biden get any credit for this? Well, that's a good question. And what it really comes down to is, not macroeconomics, but hyper microeconomics. I mean, what is it like for you? Uh, are you spending more? Do you have less money in your bank account at the end of the month after you buy your groceries, uh, you know, after you buy whatever? Um, and I think one of the issues is, you know, yes, uh, salaries have gone up. People may be employed, but if they find that, uh, 
you know, even after uh, inflation settles down, that prices have landed at a higher point, and they're, you know, effectively making less money, even though they're making, you know, more real money, but, you know, the effective amount of money that they're making in terms of what their buying power is less, then they're going to feel like the economy's not so great. So I think, you know, that's, that's the lesson, you know, you know, if you step back 30,000 feet, you could say, okay, these numbers are all great. Um, folks are hiring, people are working, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, how far is their paycheck going? And, and that's really, I think, where, where people are, are going to find that, okay, I'm, I'm doing great or I'm not doing so well. And I want the interest rates to come down because I want to refinance my house and maybe get a cash out, a little little change in my pocket, Dave. But from what I've been told, if if the the rates go down, this economy could skyrocket again and inflation could go right back to where it was. That's why the Fed has been hesitant to, you know, just, you know, ease back on these rates. Um, and they're going to do it a little at a time. They're, they're certainly not going to uh, take take the brakes off immediately. They're not going to drop it back down to 2.75? <laughs> <laughs> know. You know, historically, though, that was unusually right. low. I think we all got used to it for so long. But, you know, you, you go back, I, I, you know, to the 90s, the 80s, the, the 70s. I mean, people were paying 12%. Um, and, you know, even in the late 90s, I remember my first home. Uh, I was paying seven point something yeah. percent. I thought it was a great rate. So crazy. Dave Packer, ABC News correspondent. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great weekend. You too, Heidi and Josh. Take care. The Super Bowl is just a week away. And I got to tell you, Deerberg's has something for everyone at your party. And today, our focus is premium whiskey to celebrate that fantastic chief's victory whistle pig which is one of my favorites so today we're talking specifically about the piggyback series with our good friend mike ward ward on whiskey today that's right that's right great beer i love this brand oh i do too so there's a rye and there's a bourbon and i want to be clear the rye isn't a bourbon it's just a whiskey it's a rye whiskey. Okay. Yes, that's right. To be a bourbon, you have to have corn at least 51%. At least 51% corn. I think I got that mixed up when I first started drinking whiskey and bourbon, and I thought that bourbon could be a rye bourbon. But you're ne- there's never going to be a little, little bit of rye in it, and they can call it a rye bourbon? Well, they can't call it a rye bourbon. Okay. But there can be a little bit of rye in the grains. So let's start with how does whiskey start? It starts with grains. Mm-hmm. And it has to come from things like barley or malted and malted barley, which typically a Scotch or an Irish whiskey would, would have. And then in the U.S., more rye. That's kind of the history. When we started making whiskey here in the 1600s, 1700s, we were using rye. And then eventually corn was used. So And wheat can also be used. And that's where you get sugar. You convert it into sugar in order to ferment it and then take that liquid that you fermented. Liquid into, gold. Yeah. Uh, but it's really not it's necessarily of, whiskey yet. It's more of an amber. Mm-hmm. Has to go. has to be distilled. And after distilled, it goes into the barrel. And that's where the, you know, the, all the magic happens to make it officially a whiskey. But if you start out with corn, at least 51%. And by law, bourbon can come from anywhere in the U.S., has to come from the U.S., has to have majority corn, and has to be aged at least two years in new 
white American oak barrels. All right, here's a great question from someone in the 618. Isn't most Canadian whiskey rye? Well, it, that's a loose term, and yes, the answer is yes. Rye is a traditional grain for use in Canadian whiskey, and they kind of loosely use the term rye. They call things rye whiskey. And, in fact, that's kind of where Whistle Pig started was sourcing some barrels from that were forgotten about really? uh, in, in Canada and, until they started making their own whiskey. So where is Whistle Pig made? Vermont. Made in Ooh. Vermont. And really, they're, you know, Dave Pickerell, who sadly passed away since starting the distillery, uh, that was the passion was to give this rebirth of rye whiskey in the U.S. because there was such a tradition. And then around the, you know, 50s and 60s, nobody was drinking rye anymore. And it really fell off the, the market. You know me, Mike, and when you say rye, all I can think about is rye bread pizzas because that's all I can think about all day long. No. Oh. Rye bread pizzas, yeah. dogtown pizzas, pizza, pizza, pizza. You know, a, a great whiskey educator told me in a seminar, and this makes sense. If you're trying to visualize a rye whiskey versus a bourbon versus a weeded whiskey, think about eating a piece of rye bread and then tasting the whiskey. It tastes very similar. Or eating a piece of cornbread and then taste bourbon and it tastes similar. That, or wheat bread. that is true. Yeah. That's my question, though. Rye bread gets its real taste from the anise, right? Is there any of that in rye whiskey? Well, there isn't, but some of the taste of the rye bread will come from the actual grains. And then also, you know, it has to be baked. So think of, you know, uh, a rye whiskey sitting in the barrel and aging and so, uh, in in contact with the side of the barrel that's been cooked and charred. So that's where you kind of get those those connections that doesn't taste exactly like it, but you can definitely make the connection of spiciness yeah. in a rye whiskey. Uh, somebody wants you to explain what makes Tennessee whiskey. Ah, yes. Tennessee whiskey is whiskey, but it's not a bourbon. In Tennessee, it has to be filtered through charcoal, and it's a process called the Lincoln County process. Does it and have to be made in Tennessee? It has to be made in Tennessee to be a Tennessee whiskey. Okay. It's... Ken Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey in the next state over is made, is not filtered through charcoal and is made in Kentucky. And that's where it gets its name. However, a bourbon can come from any state, like in this case, Vermont. God, yeah. So what I was also looking at that I really liked about Whistlepig, and I did not realize this, but there are two women at the helm. Yeah, which, you know, uh, is I, I love that. I do too. Is it, that I, unusual for whiskey? It is. You know, it's becoming more uh, mainstream. Okay. You know, nowadays in wine and in whiskey, we don't even think about it anymore. It's a person making it. Who cares, you know, what, yeah. where they came from? To see women really get their... Uh, that get their start and then become really legitimate, you know, uh, bl barrel blenders or, you know, or distillers is fantastic. And I strongly support it. And, you know, let's let's face it, they probably have a better palate yeah. anyway. So uh, how long has Whistlepig been around? So um, start, Dave Pickerel started it around probably 15 years now. I don't have an actual so date, but it's been around new. and started it with those barrels of Canadian whiskey that until, because you can't start a distillery, you'd have to wait 10 years because that's where they kind of got their start with those 10 year barrels. Now in the case of piggyback, which you can get this weekend at, at Bob's barn and Deerberg's, uh, it's six year aging. So that's the whole idea behind this 
kind of brand extension of piggyback mm-hmm. uh, that they started before uh, Dave passed away was to to do a six year aged whiskey because their other whiskeys are ten, twelve, and even even more eighteen years. What do you get the longer it's aged? What's the true difference between the six and the ten? Well, I think a couple of things. I think people are uh, misled to think, oh, it's going to be stronger and harsher. And, and you know, sometimes it is if they're not cut, if it, if the proof is, is higher and they're not cutting that, diluting it. Uh, but I think it's smoother and mm-hmm. you really get some more additional flavors. The whiskey will be evaporating inside of the barrel. And you, we've talked about this before. You know what the evaporation is called, right? Yes, the angel, angel share. share. Yes, yeah. and uh, so that's concentrating the whiskey, but also going through all the seasons in Vermont. You know, they have winter, and it's a little bit warmer oh. in the summer, and the the whiskey soaks into the barrel and comes out. So the temperature change will make the whiskey soak in and come out. Well, speaking of, I mean, does whiskey or bourbon need to be made in a state where you have all four seasons? Well, it does not. Because think of Irish whiskey and Scotch whiskey, where yeah. it's a little have, bit yeah. more even. They have one season. And Canada, you know, you, mm-hmm. you get a good summer in Canada. Um, but you really need to make, make whiskey somewhere where you can age it in a barrel. And you can really make whiskey anywhere. J- Japan, yeah. India, you know, whiskey's made everywhere. Uh, and you said the world's most popular whiskey by volume was some whiskey in India, right? I think it's the most consumed, consumed whiskey. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, yeah. 1.5 yeah. billion people. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got a good head start. And whiskey is a big part of their culture and their, you know, society. So, yeah, yeah. They, and they drink a lot of scotch. I mean, outside of the U.S., countries really drink a lot of scotch. Hmm. Um, I was going to ask you about Angel's Share because Whistle Pig, Piggyback, this is what we're dealing with today. Is this a, a a bourbon term that maybe I'm not familiar with, like Angel Share was? What piggyback? Yeah. yeah. What, what's the what's the name? It's funny. I was doing some research on that because I thought I really want to get this correct, and the only thing I could find was they said when years ago when Dave, who was a big guy, you know, he was big and big personality. I never had a chance to meet him. I oh. wish I did, but he would. He did a lot of promotion for his brand, and he had to work with a lot of bars and bartenders and doing promotions. And apparently, he would sometimes give them a piggyback ride. Oh, really? But, but what they what they really want to do with this, and you know, obviously, whistle pig, the pig kind of you know connection yeah. there. They really want to make sure they're separating this from their other expressions of whiskeys because there is a different age statement, and they really want to make this, you know, a brand to its own. And I, I like that. Yeah. Well, somebody is wondering, and I would say this is probably a good one, but can you recommend a bourbon for beginners? Well, uh, so you might want to look at a weeded bourbon. I think we're not talking about Maker's Mark today. We do fr- frequently talk about Maker's Mark. It's It has a lot of flavor to it, and it is my kind of standard great for Manhattan. I would also want you to try the piggyback bourbon, mm-hmm. okay, because... Uh, it has a, probably a little more flavor to it, but I I think you can easily see the difference in the two. Maker's Mark, weeded, so corn and wheat. The piggyback, corn with rye. And you can really see the difference in those two. And then try them with a cocktail. Do a Manhattan with each, and you'll see the difference. Basil Hayden is what 
first kind of got me interested it's in little, bourbon and it's whiskey. Great, on the lighter mm-hmm. side. Perfect for, on the lighter. for cocktails. Right. right. Yeah. Now, I am a beginner, and anytime I do have bourbon, it's in a cocktail, either a Manhattan or a Boulevardier. So it's one of these things where the shock on people's faces when I'm mixing a really nice bourbon, Heidi would fall out of her chair, and I'm like, what? what's the big deal? Is whistle pig piggyback either the rye or the bourbon? Is this something I could mix into my Manhattan, or should I leave this for a sipping bourbon? Absolutely. Make it into a Manhattan, old-fashioned, Boulevardier, any kind of cocktail. That's the intention of this brand, that you can sip it outside or next weekend watching the Super Bowl if you want. Also make it into a cocktail. And I do want to also mention for Deerberg's, they have two barrel picks. You're familiar with those barrel picks and how that works, right? No, tell us how it does. So people from Deerberg's went to um, Vermont, and they pick some barrels for them, and they get to pick out oh, their particular cool. barrel. Oh, you really? Can, you can get these Whistlepig 10-year barrel select. Now, I do want to tell you something about these, though, that's significant. And there's also a piggyback barrel select at Deerberg's and Bob's Barn. The 10 years, 104 proof, and the uh, piggyback is 107 proof. So my my higher. recommendation, right, with those maybe sipping whiskeys, and the regular piggyback brand is your cocktail whiskey. Okay. What does the percentage mean? Does it mean it's stronger, or is there anything else that if it's 100%, if it's, 96.56 proof. What does that mean? 100 proof is 50% alcohol by volume. So anytime so you see of proof it. of a number, the alcohol is half that number. Correct. The okay. actual alcohol. And the proof is a kind of an older measurement to make sure that, they, that the distillation was the way that they wanted it to. Uh, in the old days, they would mix the whiskey with gunpowder and light it on fire. And so, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, sounds, what could go wrong with that? that sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you wanted, you know, a little bit of your whiskey with a little gunpowder to get a flame going and you light it on fire. And then you, if you have a nice, even kind of blue colored flame, you're about at 100 proof. Now, n- today we can take it in a lab and, and test it. Um, but that's what that means. And to me personally, higher proof it's better for sipping. I can't really handle the really high proof ones, but this is not my, my How high thing. does it go? Oh, you can have 119 proof, 120 proof right out of the barrel without being what's, diluted with water. What's Everclear? Oh, well that's but see, Everclear or something like that is distilled differently to a much higher proof. Whiskey's only distilled to about 165 when it comes off the still. Everclear is made in a different type of still where the proof can go much higher. To, <laughs> the, and, all the yeah, way. You, yeah, you don't want right? yeah. Yeah. to. Okay, so many questions no. coming in for you. Somebody wants to know what you think about Bardstown. I loved Bardstown. We went and did the, went to one of the old, uh, I think it's one of the oldest taverns. Yeah, you know, there and it's just a cute little town. What do you think of it? Well, two of my favorite places to visit uh, uh, the the whiskey trail, Bourbon uh-huh. Trail in Kentucky, so Bardstown and Louisville and and Lexington, and then Napa Valley and yeah. Sonoma. So I mean, if you want one, I mean, it's like Adult Disney World going it, to there. It really is, and and you really can get educated. Those people are so knowledgeable and so passionate about their brand. You can go and and you know you can go downtown Louisville and visit a lot of the newer distilleries. Have Angels uh, is there? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, 
and and it's good if you've never done it before and you're interested in whiskey and even if you're like mildly interested you will have fun and you mm-hmm. should go it is and even when you just go into the tasting room they know so much yeah. about it somebody wants to uh is wondering was the original manhattan made with rye well it was and also back to Louisville, make sure you have a driver or Uber. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it, and rye was the original whiskey, U.S. whiskey. And so when man, and there's a couple of different uh, things that you can see to make, you know, where Manhattan was started, uh, the, the actual cocktail and how it was put together or, or Sazerac down in, in New Orleans. But, uh, yeah, rye was the was the grain. And when after the, the Revolutionary War and the government, started taxing rye and whiskey makers for of rye whiskey to pay for the war all those people or many of them started moving to ohio uh indiana kentucky and transitioned into corn from rye and i really like a sazerac but it is really sweet it but depends. Yeah, Can't you what say I like a little it. bit? I mean, you can tell them to go easy on the... No, I'm asking well, them for more. Oh. <laughs> and it depends if you like sweet. And then how how do you determine, like, okay, well, what should I use bourbon for my Manhattan or should I use rye? I would say try both first and see what you, you know, which one you like. Uh, but don't discount one over the other or even the Tennessee whiskey. We, yeah. we, Uncle Nearest is a, a, a brand that I Somebody really like a lot. Somebody uh, said that that's by a woman. Yeah, yes, it is. Uncle Nearest uh, is a great whiskey. They found the recipe and uh, and now has a, a woman distiller, and it's a great brand. It's amazing whiskey. to me, and this is what I have found doing a couple different tastings, just how different every single one is. And you really do find what you like and don't like. Now, obviously, I do like bourbon. I do like whiskey. I do like rye. But that also means that then I have to get into the gym and maybe stay a little bit longer. And a great yeah. place is Club Fitness because you can knock it all out. You can get your cardio in because they've got all kinds of cardio equipment. You've got the elliptical. You've got the treadmills. You've got the bikes. You've got the rowers, whatever it is. Or maybe you want to jump in a class and they have so many options when it comes to group exercises, more than 400 classes each week. But then what I think makes Club Fitness really special is not only do they have the big floor, but they also have the boutique like workout studios like the Pulse Studio or the Women's Training Studio. So if you want something that's a little smaller, a little more dialed in, you have that. There are 19 area clubs, each one open 24-7. They also have all of the best when it comes to relaxation and recovery, like the Hydro Lounge. You've got red light therapy. I'm telling you, whatever it is you're looking for, you'll find it at Club Fitness, the ultimate fitness experience. You can learn more clubfitness.us it is well you guys have so many great questions we're making mike hang out for a little bit longer somebody says uh wheat barley rye don't work for people with celiac disease are there any good gluten-free bourbons really none that i know of and i don't know how you would do that because you got to have those grains to, to and that's what whiskey is you know, there's probably some vodkas that you could make because you you can be more loose with what the original sugar source is. But uh, you know, with with whiskey and grains, somebody I don't know is if you can do it. asking about Bullet. Is Bullet a bourbon? It is. 
Yeah. yeah. They do a rye too though, don't they? They do. They do. And many bourbon makers also some don't now, you know, but some also do a rye as an extension of their brand. Got ya. Somebody uh from the six one eight, I like crown vanilla. Can you rent recommend something like that and then they say thanks for having word on wine on i always learn something well thank so you do I. thank you for listening and this has been a great segment uh and if you like crown vanilla or a brand that has a flavor what i would tell you is there's so many out there and and do a little research you know we were talking in the break about honey you know do you like that like you know jim beam makes a honey whistle pig does not really get into that. They don't, they, it's just the whiskey. There's a lot of brands that have, you know, different flavors. However, they do have this Whistle Pig Signature Maple Cocktail Syrup. What is this? Well, they started, this is brand new, and uh, I was glad to, to bring it here. And I don't think you can find this in, in Bob's Barn yet, but I think you'll be able to. And this is where they make a maple syrup, and they've done this before. I've had their maple syrup before, and they have these great barrels. The sides of them have the whiskey soaked Ooh. into them. You put a little maple syrup in there and, uh, and and let it age a little bit and pick up those flavors, and that's what this is. So maybe you take the whistle pig piggyback, and then you put like a little tablespoon of the Whistle Pig Signature Maple Cocktail Syrup in it. This is exactly four cocktails, and uh, the website has all the recipes on it. So this, would, how great would it be to sit at home and watch Super Bowl? You know, and uh, and have a little whistle pig. Speaking my language. Yeah. I'm a senior, but as a young adult, I used to get bronchitis really bad. My dad gave me a shot of rock and rye. Not sure if I'm spelling that, but do they still make it? I think they still make it. It is kind of the original flavored whiskey because it's rye whiskey with a little rock candy and some vanilla and some other flavoring. Rock candy. So, yeah, they uh, let it soak, you know, and uh, um, kind of pick up all those flavors. But it's an, it is a, uh, an, uh, I'm not going to say I'm catching myself, not an old brand, but it's a, a brand that's got a lot of history to it. But I bet you could find it somewhere. All right. And somebody has a request for next week. Somebody's saying, I just dialed in, but can you have uh, Mike talk about Mardi Gras cocktails, like hurricanes, next week for Mardi Gras? Yeah, we have a really fun feature for next week related to the Super Bowl that I can't talk about yet. But with Mardi Gras coming up, we can definitely add that in. And we have Valentine's. Yes, we do. Speaking of Valentine's Day, Deerberg's has so many options. They actually do free delivery on Valentine's menus. You can use a, a promo code. You can get a live lobster if you want to do something really special, but you don't want to go out and spend a fortune. You can do steak and lobster a little surf and turf yourself. I mean, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to the meat counter at Deerberg's, but it is the best of the best. So uh, you could also just do one-stop shopping. They've got flowers and roses. You can pick it all up at Deerberg's. And, of course, for the Super Bowl, don't sweat over that stove. Get ready for the Super Bowl by just running in Deerberg's or having them deliver. And you could do all the little sandwiches, little Dollar rolls, you can do the charcuterie board, you can do all of it. Actually, you can have Deerbergs do all of it, and then you just kick your feet up and enjoy the big game. Just go to Deerbergs.com. You can find all of the great deals that I just mentioned. Mike Ward, it is always fantastic having you here. And the piggyback, the whistle pig, the uh, age six years, you've got the bourbon and the rye. That can be found in most Bob's Barns by Deerbergs. Yeah, definitely. And thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. And Mike at WardOnWine.com if you have any questions. Cheers to you. Thank you.
headlines for this Friday afternoon, February 2nd. You had to think about it. Because I apparently didn't change it on my paper. Oh. 360 Westport now open at Westport Plaza. There's an outdoor patio that takes up the entire west side of the building's 12th floor. They, like, have knocked out windows. It? I have now. You have? The inside has a big bar with 18 stools. Actually, the space is double the size of the downtown 360. The menu at 360 Westport is similar in both style and substance to the downtown menu, uh, but I cannot wait to check it out. I went on the soft opening. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And the food was great. Here's my recommendation. The Yoza, which is just a fancy word for pot stickers. Yeah. Get the pot stickers. Okay. Oh, and it's my turn. Yeah. The <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, you know, when I said story the actually stickers. is getting the pot stickers. When I started thinking yeah. pot stickers, my mind runs. Speaking of running, the Greater St. Louis Marathon is coming back for its 24th year, Gosh. and they're really trying to beef it up this year. They're expecting 12,000 runners. Oh, God. We always kind of go down to the corner because it usually goes through our neighborhood and cheer people on. Well, they've got a route set up, and uh, it's going to be Saturday, April 27th, so it'll probably be great weather. They want to have the finish line be at City Park and have the big festival right there. Fun. You know, City Park, the pitch, Maggie O's, that'll be fun. Uh, it'll start at running east towards the arch, and you can watch the sunrise. Oh. I don't know what time it starts. Does it always start at, at before the sun rises? I didn't think so, but maybe it does. Um, and they say they wanted to incorporate the historic neighborhoods and the best views of St. Louis. So they have you run the best view of St. Louis, which happens to be from East St. Louis. Listen to this. Participates run across the Mississippi River twice, once on the MLK and then once on the way back on the Eads Bridge. That way you get the best view of the arch. I, I do think that's the best view. Malcolm W. Martin Memorial Park. Very cool. Now, is that connected or right next to the Casino Queen? The... It's real close. Yeah, right? You can get off right there. I mean, we've taken same, that same route. exit, mm-hmm. maybe. 28 new murals to pop up across St. Louis City. The Regional Arts Commission of St. Louis is searching for local artists to paint 28 murals all across the city this summer. The commission will spend $1.5 million of ARPA funding in its first-of-its-kind initiative. Each ward will get two murals. Artists can apply on the Regional Arts Commission's website. Winners will be notified in mid-April, as well as the locations of the murals, the works of art expected to be completed by July 31st. So that could be cool. It is cool. And we heard that Netflix was cracking down on people sharing their codes. Well, Hulu's the next to do it as well. Hulu, which is owned by Disney, said that they were going to start adding limitations on sharing your account outside of your household. And... They said that if you are a repeat offender, they might ban you from the site altogether. Now, I cry foul on that one because what are they going to They're going to stop taking your $70 a month? Mm-hmm. No. They'll, I think that's a scare tactic. But it's interesting. Uh, Netflix is doing this. Hulu's now going to do this. And Prime Video is enacting ads on its streaming service by default. You can pay extra to get without ads, but I was wondering why isn't Prime Video enacting a password sharing 
Well, they probably don't need to because the password to your Prime video is the same password to your Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. You're not giving that to anybody. No, because then sudden, they're going to be shopping on who, your credit card. all this stuff? Exactly. And why is it going to somebody else's house? So their way around password crackdown sharing is to just throw ads up. So, Yeah, it makes sense. I got to tell you, I, I feel like at one point I wanted to be a do-it-yourselfer. and Like with your own TV show? No, 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 no. Just around the house. But I remember in my previous house, like around the bathtub, it needed grout. And I tried to do it. And then every time I was in that shower, that's all I saw was how I didn't get it even. That's why you need to turn to the grout medic. I mean, this is a fantastic business. And there's a reason that business is booming. Now, what you might not realize, because I don't think I did, you really are supposed to reseal your grout every single year. And, of course, as time goes on, Maybe the, the tile or the other places around it, either that gets dingy or the grout doesn't exactly match. Well, the grout medic can color match the grout. They can color ceiling uh, grout. The grout in this situation will not fade or discolor and last 7 to 10 years. So you're saving your money. You can also re-grout. Just take out that old grout and install new grout. That's what the grout medic can do. They can restore the tile and grout to almost new. And really, if you're looking to do something that will redo the face of your bathroom or maybe your kitchen, I mean, this is at a fraction of the cost to replace the tile. They can clean the tile and grout. They can repair the tile. And even better, if you call grout medic, 636-317-8860, and you mention me, I'm Heidi, or KTRS, uh, during the estimate, you'll receive 10% off any of the services needed. So uh, you can visit the Grout Medic on Facebook, the Grout Medic of St. Louis. You can visit them online, groutmedicstl.com, or again, call the Grout Medic, 636-317-8860, and mention myself and KTRS. Meep, meep. Tell me, who is this? When I say don't tell me, tell me. I thought you were looking at it. No. You were looking at the screen. Day it's, it's bad, bad finger. finger. Mm. I got it. I got it, it before you told me. I don't know that you did. <laughs> Alex, did I get it before you told me? <laughs> I don't know, but I did love the don't tell me, and then yeah. uh, you were silent. Which means tell me. This is a crazy story, and I just recently, I guess I've been under a rock, learned what swatting was, but this California teen may be responsible for swatting all over the country? Yeah. So, um, yeah, swatting has become a major problem for, for law enforcement everywhere. From coast to coast, every state is dealing with it constantly. These are the calls that come in of somebody claiming that there's an active shooter underway or about to, to happen to try to get a response, to try to get the SWAT team out there. Sometimes the, the caller wanting to just see a massive law enforcement response, so they get excited by that. Sometimes to get back at an enemy, to have cops coming to their home with guns drawn. Sometimes to create havoc, to maybe get out of a test in class, you know, that 
kind of like a bomb threat. You don't have to do what that, that test. All kinds of reasons. But this is a major problem for police right now. And uh, I got to spend some time with uh, Agent uh, Brian LeBlanc, who is out of Boston, the FBI's expert on swatting and, and dealing with it. And they are doing everything they can to try to figure out ways to, to stop these to now respond to them. He told us this, kind of the background on it, on how we got to this point. Some cases it's revenge, and that's really where swatting came from, was from the gaming community, where individuals were, were playing each other in the first-person shooter games, and they wanted to take out their opponents, and they would call in a swatting to their house so that the police would come and, and then they could lose their game. So last year, there was a swatting incident in Orlando where a caller claimed he was about to carry out a mass shooting at a mosque and, and then started to, he claimed, carry it out. Police uh, gave us the call. This is what set this whole thing in motion. Yes, hello. This is Sanford Police Department hello. on a recorded line. My name is Michelle. How can I help you? At the end of this call, there was gunfire, and it was sound effects he was using, but police didn't know that at the time. And then these callers have been getting more creative with screams and sound effects and different things. And this whole thing in Florida led to the tracking down of a 17-year-old kid in Lancaster, California, out in the desert. Alan Fillion is his name. They believe he has been a swatter for hire with a price list online, 40 bucks to swat a medical fire or gas leak emergency. <laughs> 50 bucks for a major police response, 75 for a bomb threat or a mass shooting call. He had the technology to add in sound effects, make it sound real, block any tracing of the, the call, um, and that they have linked it back. And the way that the FBI was able to do it is piecing together a trail of Lord of the Rings-related usernames linked to this swatting that they were connected wow. to. Him, oh and it went gosh. back to him. and. So now they believe that he is probably responsible for a big chunk of the swatting calls in this country, in Ohio, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, California, Maryland, dozens if not hundreds of them that he was, this was a business he was doing out of his bedroom. So he's facing uh, charges in Florida now, terrorism charges, and could face a whole lot more as they begin to, to link all of this together. But they think uh, a lot of this problem has gone back to this kid. Well, that's what I want to ask you. What's the punishment? Because it truly is so stupid, and I think a lot of these kids are doing it as pranks, but it really is a big deal. I think the, the punishments should be pretty stiff. Yeah, I mean, in Florida, they're hitting them with a terrorism charge. So that, that one, and it would depend on each individual area what they're, they're going to do. It can be deadly. 2017, there's a documentary on Netflix, 2017, in Wichita, where a video gamer called in a call against another video gamer to, because he was mad at them about you know, how they were playing the video game and gave the wrong address to oh. the police. And they went and, you know, thought that they had a shooter in the house. And the homeowner came out in the middle of the night and was shot and killed by police. And... So these, you know, the police go into these things thinking there's an active shooter and their adrenaline is running. They've got their guns out. People end up dying. And Agent LeBlanc, he was telling us, too, that they are really now coaching law enforcement on tap the brakes a little bit, take a deep breath, listen to the call and try to figure out if it's real or not. He told us this. These calls actually have characteristics that can be used to identify them as hoaxes pretty early on in the process. And based on that, you can have a measured response. We're not saying don't have any response. We're saying having measured response. To know what you're going into to slow things down, that don't just hear active shooter and then send the whole city and everybody goes running in with their guns out and then somebody ends up dying. So they're learning how to respond to these things, but 
Uh, at the same time, these swatters are getting more sophisticated to make multiple calls at one time to make it seem more real of, you know, people claiming that they're victims, you know, all kinds of things. But this kid may have been one of the ringleaders in this whole thing, and, and now he's in jail. And being charged as an adult? Yeah, charged as an adult with uh, with terrorism counts. Wow. Alex Stone, ABC News correspondent in L.A., thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore, but someday. Back in the days when I was young. Are we, are we, wait, are we doing this or not? Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's turning it, off. It just keeps going. It keeps, there you go. Groundhog Day. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's see here. Back in the day on this date, Heidi, 1887, mm-hmm. the first Groundhog Day was celebrated in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. 1887. That's how long we've been doing this? Now, we have, we're about two hours into the show and we haven't mentioned it once, and I am fine with that. I think this is one of the dumbest things that you know we what? do collectively as a nation. I'm excited about it because finally... <laughs> Phil is saying an early spring, and I'm leaning in. No, that's why I think it's so stupid. I read his predictions, <laughs> and his, I guess his ancestors' predictions are only right about 39% of the Ex- time, Heidi. Right or wrong, 39%? I thought They're he right. was wrong 39% of the time, and he was right. Oh, I thought I saw right 39 but maybe I had it backwards. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter, you two, because that is not how things work in this world. We don't know. And We've been it, doing it a long time, Josh. It's true. 1913 Grand Central Terminal opened in New York City. Wow. All right, coming up, we've got the top five at five. We've got some entertainment news to get to, and then... We will wrap this Friday show up with some randoms. I hope you'll hang out with us for another hour here on the Heidi Glass Show with Josh Gilbert on the Big 550 KTRS. You want to jump in? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can go if you want. No, no, no. I want to get get right to this because this is... I mean, it's Friday, Mm -hmm. so we're doing something a little more lighthearted, so please bear with me. But it's a very important topic. Oh. And that is when you go to a sporting event, mm-hmm. how is the restroom experience? Now, I'll tell you this. This is where the story comes from. Please. Steve Ballmer, former CEO of Microsoft, 10th richest man in the world, bought the Clippers, the L.A. Clippers. Remember there was that whole tape where the owner of the Clippers was caught on tape saying racially things and they made him sell the team. Steve Ballmer bought it and he is now building, they, they both play in the Staples Center Mm -hmm. right now or whatever it's called. Crypto.com. Crypto.com. But it'll always be Staples Center. Always be. And it's kind of like Riverport. I was like yesterday years old when I realized the Staples Center was named after Staples. The the, the yeah, it was just a different the office branding. furniture yeah. store. Yeah, it's what not, did you think it was? Somebody's name, staple, like uh, Mavis Staples. You know, someone's name. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't realize Staples was that big of a deal. Yes. Anyway. Uh, he's building a brand new arena, state of the art. Two billion dollars would be a, a nice price tag for a football arena. This is a basketball arena. He's dropping two billion dollars on it, the Intuit Dome, and apparently it's going to end up looking like uh, a giant basketball net or something when it's done. Oh, that's kind of cool. 
but he is putting 1.2 thousand toilets in it, 1,200 toilets in it, and that's uh, one toilet per 15 seats, which is by and away the the best ratio in all. What's the the closest? Closest is 19 at the Pfizer Forum, which I don't know where that is. And then everything else is in the 30s, 40s, yeah. 50s, 60s. So Pfizer is in Milwaukee, I think. I think that's the Bucks. Oh, Milwaukee. They just got a new arena, which is probably why they are so close. But they are saying that funflation, which is the rising cost to attend live entertainment events, Sports tickets have jumped 25% from 22 to 23. 25% in a year. Yeah. The average cost for a family of four to attend an NBA game is it's, $304. I was going to say, darn near impossible. And they say that this is not sustainable. We can't keep getting people to do this year after year. And they say season ticket buyers are down. And so what they're offering now with these mega domes and the stands, football palace, is they're trying to make an experience of the in-arena game-watching experience be that much more plush and entertaining to get you to get up off the couch Mm. and actually come down and pay the crazy amounts of money. And one of those things is the fact that you don't have to wait in line to go to the bathroom. Now, they say... That uh, with a 48-minute basketball game, there's 15 minutes for halftime, about an hour's worth of breaks, which I didn't realize that an hour's worth of a basketball game is timeouts and commercials. Mm -hmm. Well, there's more than that, right? So the clock doesn't run during free throws. uh, Timeouts, fouls, fouls, all this stuff, right. Um, And they say that if you're waiting in line for 25 minutes, that's 20%. Of the whole game. Yeah. So they're saying one thing we can do, not lower beer prices or not lower ticket prices, is we can lower the amount you have to wait to go to the bathroom. Okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, have you have you ever had a really good arena, uh, football stadium? You know, re- they don't stick out, but the bad ones. The bad ones do. Kind of do. I think all of our... Uh- I think Bush Stadium does a good job cleaning it. I think Enterprise, it. I think Enterprise does. I, I think that uh, I think that um, the soccer stadium does a, a great job. I, I have no complaints. It's not something that has stuck out. Did you see this crazy story? A guy found a ticket booklet from 1978 for Walt Disney World that was collecting dust. I don't know if it was his parents, if it was. His grandparents, it was originally purchased for $8, but this booklet didn't have an expiration date. No. Yeah. So he decided he was going to fly to Orlando and see if he could get in. He documented the whole thing on TikTok. Long story short, he got in. No, probably because they didn't want... They, they wanted the good PR on this. They gave him a one-day ticket, which is worth $164. And the TikToker said, I can't believe this actually worked. They didn't seem to give him much grief. I said, yeah, didn't have an expiration date, so I wonder you go. if they had to, like, call a manager over. I'm sure. 
And I bet if this guy's a TikToker, he's probably filming the whole thing. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's really funny. Isn't Everybody it? Everybody go check your grandparents. That, <laughs> that's what this story says. Go to the attic and see what you can find. Who knows what you're missing out on? Connor? Uh, all right. Today, the NHL announced that the uh, players will be going back to the Winter Olympics in 2026. That's the next Winter Olympics. They haven't gone in either of the last two, 2022 uh, or 2018. So the last one they played in was 2014. So it's been 10 years since anyone's played in the Olympics. They didn't. Yeah, I remember watching them in high school in the, in the computer lab during well, school. Like uh, uh, T.J. Oshie, right? That was the, was that, that the, was the one. That was the year where he, he uh, was... scored, I think, four shootout goals because the international rules let you take them more than once. Oh, oh, they do? That doesn't seem right. Yeah. Um, but was he on the Blues at the time? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Right? Yeah. yeah. So that was a big deal. So did they not have hockey? No, or they, they did. Didn't... It just was with no NHL players. And is that the NHL's decision or it's, is that the it's Olympic committee? the NHL. You know, the winter, it happens right in the, the middle. The Winter Olympics yeah. takes place in the middle. It really should take place in the summer. They should be in the Summer Olympics. Because that's the off season. Yeah, that's what that doesn't make any well, sense. Well, <laughs> let me point out that the very first time the ho- hockey ice hockey was in the Olympics, it was in the Summer Games oh, in, in 1920. Really? Uh, but interesting, yeah, it's it's in the middle of the season. The NHL doesn't like that they have to pay for travel and insurance for the players in case they get hurt. And then there's uh, you know a money talk like conversation where they want a percentage of the you know. TV money that comes in, you know, well, you know, people, more people are going to be watching because our players are there, so we deserve more money. Mm-hmm. It of, all comes down to money. Wait, they have to put their season on hold, so I kind of see their argument, but I don't know if they should be asking for cash. Well, they, they 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 have before, and, and so did they come now to that an they've agreement? come to an agreement, I have a feeling that they got cash. what they asked they for, cash. Uh, because it is a pretty big deal for the Winter Olympics. It's normally the most viewed uh, event, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I see that. Look, you're not going to convince anybody from the NHL that this is great PR and uh, exposure, mm-hmm. and you should take it just for that, but if you can get cash and the exposure... Yeah, not a bad deal. Go. The players Shrewd. all really have been pushing for it as well. Because yeah. you think about it, it's been, it'll have been 12 years. You get a generation of players that never got to An opportunity. go to the games. Yeah. yeah, I get that. And, you know, like Michael Jordan has a gold medal. LeBron right. James has a gold medal, you know. I think the hockey players want a gold medal. Have you seen the Costco story about the woman who returned her couch Two years later. Two years later. Costco and uh, Nordstrom famously has a very lenient return policy. Remember that story? Nordstrom took back a a set of snow tires, even though they don't sell snow tires. No, I did not. You've never heard that that story? That's like the famous Nordstrom's that you said? Yes. So Nordstrom. Have they ever sold? No. I mean, they sell clothes, right? They said, we will take anything back. Anytime someone brings something in. And so I think what they meant was product that we sold them initially, but someone brought them snow tires, and so they took it back. And did they give them money for the snow tires? Because then they're out money. Well, that's the story. And uh, the fact of the matter is I'm talking about it, and every business oh, yeah. school in the country Uses it? talks about Nordstrom taking back snow okay. tires. So Costco's the same way. 
woman bought a couch, sat on it for two years, and then decided she didn't like it anymore. Oh, boy. That was the, you ever, when they ask you, why are you returning this? Do you, do you ever freeze up and go, oh, boy, I better say the right thing? No. You know? I know exactly why I'm returning well, it. I, have, I, have, I, I, I do now because I've said before, well, I just didn't like it. And then they got mad. Oh. They're like, well, that's not one of the reasons. That's re- not one of the reasons. We can't take it if that's the reason. I was like, what do you Does mean? Does it not fit? Do yeah. you? Yeah. Is it I the like, wrong color? I just don't color? like it. Yeah, well, that's not, you know, it's not good enough. Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld, he was returning something and they said, what's the reason for you to return this? And he said, spite. Because he bought it from uh, a guy, the guy got commissioned, and then he realized I don't like spite. this guy. So he turned, and they said, "Well, we don't take things back on spite." And then Jerry said, "Oh, okay, fine. Then uh, I just don't want it anymore." And they said, "Sorry, you already said spite." <laughs> so he was forced to keep it. But this lady said that her excuse was she didn't like it anymore, and they took it back. She obviously didn't have a receipt because it was two years later. And so she told them that when she when she bought it and they looked it up in their system, saw it in there, gave her credit card back 900 bucks, and she is free and clear. A lot of people are slamming her online, saying she's abusing the system. A lot of people praising her for, you know, you know what? If they're going to take it back, might as well try, right? I guess. I don't think I would have the gall. No, I know I wouldn't. Wouldn't have the gall. I wouldn't want to load it up and then get told no. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you drive it all the way in there. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, I borrowed my brother-in-law's trailer. and All of it. um, And other people are weighing in. It's because of people like her that they eventually raise their prices for the rest of us. Uh, I don't know. You know, Uh, and this might have been a TikTok stunt as Mm -hmm. well. But it's interesting to see. Costco, and I, mean, I bet if everyone in the country decided to return their couch after two years, they'd say, wait a minute, hang on. Yeah, wait but a minute. For a one-off like this, like the Disney did with mm-hmm. that booklet, it's much better to honor it and get the goodwill. I agree. Uh, here's good news if you can play an instrument. Playing a musical instrument, of course, offers enjoyment, fun. You can express feelings in a different way, but it might actually be good for your health scientists working on protect an online study open to people 40 and over reviewed data from more than a thousand adults to see if the effect of playing a musical instrument or singing had any effect on brain health and what they found was that apart from any benefits it has for your emotional well-being it actually improved the memory and cognitive speed For people 40 and up, the team reviewed participants' musical experience and lifetime exposure to music alongside results of cognitive testing to determine whether musicality helps to keep the brain sharp later in life. The findings show that playing a musical instrument, particularly the piano, and this is where I'm going to say, hmm, guess you told me so, Mom, is linked to improved memory and the ability to solve complex task continuing to play later in life provides even greater benefit the work suggests that singing was also linked to better brain health although this may be due to the social factors if you're in a choir or a group ann corbett who's the professor of dementia research says overall we think that being musical could be a way of harnessing the brain's agility and resilience known as cognitive reserve 
She said more research is needed to investigate this relationships, but our findings indicate that promoting musical education would be valuable for public health initiatives and to provide and protect lifestyle of our brain health. So encouraging older adults to return to music later in life, which I'm so happy. My dad goes down and plays the piano quite often. Wait, he plays the saxophone and the piano? Yeah. What song does he uh, play? He has Songs a, that hit the hit parade. Uh, no, not that one. <laughs> he, ha- he, he has uh, one of those pianos that you can even play music with you, so you can oh, yeah, do yeah, a... Yeah. yeah, my sister can play the piano beautifully. She can? Oh, yeah, what she's happened? got a baby grand. Hey, what happened to I, you? I appreciate music. I quit. I gave up, and it's on me. Your probably my biggest regret. Baby grand? Yeah, it's gorgeous. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, I, and she can play it. That's even cooler. We don't do this anymore. We don't have house parties. We don't have people over to the house, you know. Uh, we do. You do? Mm-hmm. Well, now good. imagine if you had a piano. You I know. Play. You could yeah. sit down. Yeah. Still waiting yeah. for my invite, Connor. But, you know, it's you sit down sorry. at the, at the piano and you're playing and mm. people are singing. singing? Yeah. I know. And people out there, you know, they're sitting on the couch smoking, yeah. enjoying the music. So cool. What year are we in? 1962. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, so cool. You know, I mentioned uh, like doing things around the house. And if you're in the market for just about anything, whether it's looking for someone to, you know, change the faucet or you need a plumber, or uh, you, you really want to know that you're getting somebody who is trustworthy and a reliable business to work with. Because we see so many things on the news or in the paper about getting taken. Well, what you really need to do is check and see if they have been rated by the Better Business Bureau. The BBB helps us, the consumer, Find businesses that you can trust by providing valid reviews, ratings, and that accreditation. When you're using the BBB, you can rest assured that the business that you chose has a proven track record of providing excellent customer service and adheres to a high ethical standard. So I'm just going to say, don't take chances with your money. Turn to the BBB to help you make those informed decisions about anything before anybody comes into your home. Look for that BBB seal because it is really the sign of a better business. You can go to BBB.org for more information or even call the BBB 314-645-3300. Let's talk entertainment news, shall we? This is sad. Carl Weathers, the actor known for roles in Rocky, Predator, and The Mandalorian, has died. He was just 76 years old. His family said in a statement that he died peacefully in his sleep yesterday. I got a chance to interview him when he was doing Chicago Justice, and he was very kind and would still play along with the whole Rocky, you know, can you still throw that punch? And um, I I think I just saw him in a commercial recently. He's um, done a lot. He's been doing a lot lately, but did you ever watch Arrested Development? No. Oh, I, he, that's the role I always think of with him now. And you it's have, so good. You have to be able 
to laugh at yourself to take a role like this. And he does. And he does. And he plays a role and his character is Carl Weathers, but it's the kind of haven't worked in a while Carl Weathers. Well, I do think he had a, a dry spell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I read today, actually, you know, these stories always come up that he was the one who pitched that. To Arrested Development? Yeah, said, what if we did it where I'm really cheap and out of work? and Like he was yeah. taking food home from the craft <laughs> services oh, table. Oh, I love it. I've yeah. started Arrested Development. I just haven't made it through a lot of them. And I, I've always enjoyed it when I was watching it. So I need to sit down and watch more episodes so of that. Yeah. Darius Rucker was arrested on minor drug charges in Tennessee yesterday. The Grammy-winning country singer. And, of course, Hootie and the Blowfish frontman was arrested in Williamson County for simple possession and casual exchange of a controlled substance and a vehicle registration violation. Officials didn't release any additional details. But Mike, yeah, go ahead. He is cooperating. Yeah. He's got a mugshot because they showed that on the news today. Well, it seemed like at the beginning it was just Darius Rucker drug charges. Now they're putting the minor in front of it. But at first well, you're like, what? And isn't just about everything legal these Not in days? Tennessee. Not in Tennessee. Yeah. So was it, would it have been pot? I think so. Okay, because I would hate to think that it was something hard. No. I think that's what it was. Anthony Anderson is in good spirits after a movie set injury landed him in the hospital on Instagram. He uh, posted a photo of himself smiling while lying on a hospital gurney and he said, me against two goons in a chair, guess who didn't win? Who needs a stuntman? Me. That's who. I'm not as young as I used to be. Which... I think we all realize at a certain point. He looks great, though. Yeah, he does. He looks better than he ever has. Sam Watterson, you know him as uh, playing the district attorney. I've seen that show a hundred times, and I still don't know the characters' names. It's Jack McCoy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a great, like... uh, hotel show like you go to the hotel and it, you it, but then you like, get stuck yeah because you start it and they start the second mm-hmm. one before i know you can turn it off and you're hooked i can't believe you just said that because we went to chicago one time and i got stuck on a bones marathon exactly for like exactly. three i've never seen bones before but i <laughs> yeah. was like this is a pretty good show they right. knew how to get you anyway he is exiting Law & Order and Scandal alum Tony Goldwyn will be joining the long-running crime drama as its beloved star steps away from the series after 30 years and more than 400 episodes as Jack McCoy. I can't believe that. Yeah. How old is Sam Waterston? Uh, 83, I think. Did you know that in the first, well, the Robert Redford version yeah. of um, Great Gatsby that he played Nick? Oh. Uh, the house guest. He's a great actor. I mean, he's awesome in Grace and Frankie. And just tells you what a great actor it is, because talk about complete flip. The characters are nothing alike, which is what I can appreciate. Tony Goldwyn was in Scandal, and I just asked you about him the other day. Um, he and pl- Ghost. He played the bad guy in Ghost. Yeah. You know, he got a window stuck in his stomach, which he deserved every bit of that. But... Did you recognize him in Oppenheimer? I did. You did? Yeah. I feel like they put makeup on him, maybe gave him a paunch or something. No, we did. We both said, hey, it's, and she said ghost and I said scandal. I didn't recognize him at all. Well, it's crazy. Jelly Roll's face seems to be everywhere these days, so it's no surprise that he's starring in a new Uber Eats commercial for the Super Bowl. And the surprising part, it's pretty funny. He makes fun 
of his tattoos the entire time. In the commercial, he starts off by looking in a mirror and saying, what happened to my face? And then he screams even louder in shock and says, are these tattoos? They're everywhere. They're horrible. Which... No comment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Bradley Cooper named the acting performance that changed his technique as an actor forever, and it's probably not what you would guess. His life-changing moment was watching Vince Vaughn film a scene in 2005's Wedding Crashers. He said it was the one where the grandmother takes a gun out and he's running, and he says, up until that point, I was always... Just trying to get it right on camera, be present, get it right. And I'm watching Vince destroy a scene, crush it, and then he wants another take in front of everyone, this huge crew, lights, and it's so nerve-wracking. And it was his willingness to fail. It was like a diamond through the middle of my head going, that's it. That freedom is just to absolutely be willing to fail, which is interesting. I heard the Bradley Cooper Smartless. That's yeah. the podcast with Jason Bateman, mm-hmm. um, Will Arnett, yep. and Sean Hayes. It's a great podcast. Apparently, all three of those guys knew Bradley Cooper back in the day. I, I mean, when Hollywood guys get together and gals and talk about, it's like, what is this, high school? Well, I How think they're at the same auditions. They cross paths. I don't think that Hollywood is as big as we think it is. Bradley had a pretty bad drug problem, mm-hmm. and he had a pretty bad self-esteem issue, which... He's been clean for years. For years. And I'm like, how could Bradley Cooper ever have self-esteem issues? Yeah. And uh, he talks on that podcast about how Will Arnett sat him down and said... You know, how do you think last night went? Because uh-huh. we all know how we think it went, but how do you think it went? And it turned his whole life around. It's kind of crazy. Suits is getting a spinoff called Suits LA. It'll focus on a new group of characters, and it should be ready for the 2024-25 season. People streamed more than 57 billion minutes of the original series last year. I don't get it. Have you have, tried to uh, watch it? I haven't. My brother's yeah. in love with it. I know a lot of people are. I think this is a really old school idea, right? Didn't they used to do this with shows? Like, just change cities uh-huh. and call it a, you know. Well, I think they still do they it still with CSI. They still kind of do it like NCIS and, yeah. and CIS. Yeah. Suits LA. Uh-huh. It's like Joey. Now it's Joey in LA from yes. Friends. Is it? Is it the same cast? Is no. it similar cast? Is it a whole it just new says, cast? It says a new group. A whole new group. So we'll wait and see. There's a rumor, and I'm really hoping it's true. That Tracy Chapman will perform Fast Car with Luke Combs at the Grammys on Sunday. Nothing official, but can we all just cross our fingers? Brad Pitt is reportedly joining Quentin Tarantino's final film, The Movie Critic, so that could be interesting. This is petty, but Justin Timberlake took what appeared to be a shot at Britney Spears during their show the other night, and now Britney is basically taking back her apology that she She issued. She just said something nice about him. I know. It's so silly. Billy Joel released his new single yesterday. It's called Turn the Lights Back On. Maybe we can uh, wrap our entertainment report up with that in a minute if you can find it, Connor. 50 years ago today... February 2nd, 1974, Dolly Parton earned her second number one hit with her song... Jolene. Jolene. Really? Yeah. The tune written by Dolly was the title track on her 13th studio album. And as for TV this weekend, Sunday afternoon on ABC and ESPN, the 2024 NFL Pro Bowl games. Does anybody really watch that? 
It's a flag football. You know what? The fact that it's a flag football game. Maybe you'll watch. I'm more interested now than when it was actually full contact. Yeah. Sunday night on CBS, as I just mentioned, the 66th Annual Grammy Awards. Trevor Noah is the host. I mean, all kinds of great performances. Billie Eilish, Billy Joel, Dua Lipa, Joni Mitchell, Olivia Rodrigo, SZA. It's and you too from the sphere don't forget and if that's not your thing uh sunday you can see the 12th season premiere of curb your enthusiasm that airs on hbo some celebrities celebrating a birthday today shakira is 47 christy brinkley is 70 oh, speak of billy joel yeah graham nash is 82 and that, my friends, is your evening entertainment report here on the Big 550 KTRS. Do we have uh, that Billy Joel single? You think he's talking about Christy Brinkley? I'm still trying to process that she's 70. <laughs> She still looks so, so great. Um, and I, I tell you this, I was over at my parents' house. I'm I'm not, I kind of like that. Yeah, I do too. I don't know if I'm going to buy the album, but I'm a bit more inclined now to go to the show at Bush Stadium. I'm at my parents' house last night, and they always watch the Game Show Network when I go to pick Finn up. And for some reason, one of the commercial breaks was Dolly Parton singing Let It Be. Mm. From, was that one of the ones on the rock yes. album that she did? It was. I thought it was really good. Now, see, didn't you slam it earlier? I did not. He did. Okay, no, he's pointing fingers at I, Connor. I'm not sure if that's true. Somebody slammed it. I did. I think Darren didn't like it. Oh, we yeah, had a, Darren. We Darren had a, definitely we had a, didn't like it. That was the, the day where it was all of them, the songs were Dolly yeah. Parton songs. He did not like it. And some of the listeners didn't like it either. No, I know. But, but you liked Let It Be. I was really surprised because I, you know, it's the Beatles. Right. You know, so. It's your favorite band. I thought she did a great job. All right. I mean, Josh, being positive. Hmm? All right, let's wrap this Friday up with a couple randoms. Furbies were so hot in 1999. Remember the Furby? Oh, yeah. The FAA was concerned they could disrupt flight equipment. And there were rumors that some airlines had banned Furbies, but the FAA denied that. They did say, we did recommend that Furbies should not be on a plane when it's below 10,000 feet and people with Furbies on board. Again, why are you taking your Furby on a plane with you? were asked to remove the batteries. A rep from Tiger Electronics, which made the Furbies, said there have been no reports of Furbies interfering with any kind of takeoff or landing. What did Furbies do? Did they talk? They they talked, but I think essentially it was a voice recorder, and they just repeated words back to you like a parrot. Hmm. You know, if I said, hello, Furby, it would say, hello, Furby. Yeah. You know? So is this going to disrupt the planes? I'm still questioning if our phones are disrupting the planes. Or they just don't want everybody talking on the airplane. Can you imagine I mean, how if you miserable pay, that would be? If you pay extra money, they do allow you to use your phone. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I don't know. But I think some of the stories were that Furbies were going to be used as spy equipment. Oh, boy. You know, I think whatever the CIA has is a bit more high-tech than the Furby. <laughs> I would hope so. People. Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel met each other when they were 10, and they were both in the school play, Alice in Wonderland. Isn't that crazy? I wonder who played... Who? Who? Cheshire Cat. Ketchup was originally made in England and the United States with mushrooms as the main ingredient, not tomatoes. That That does not sound good. That sounds bad. Not only is it not... And they still called it ketchup? Well, where does ketchup come from? I don't know. Ketchup. Exactly. Where does that come from? It... Early 1800s, then tomato ketchup started getting more popular. What would it even look like? I guess it still says tomato ketchup on the yeah. ice labels, yeah. right? So, so is ketchup, ketchup like a like a roumelade, or a is it something else? And that ketchup is like, more yeah. general umbrella. Like if it ends in a's, you know that it's like made with eggs, mayonnaise, hollandaise. Yeah, it's is ketchup. That really, what it is? What the a's thing? I don't speak French. I've never realized that. But if it's A's, then it's got eggs in it somewhere. Wow. There's another random for you. Well, I don't know if that's actually true. This is my interpretation. Eggs and oil, (laughs) some sort of derivative of mayonnaise. And we've never had a Native American president, but we have had a Native American vice president. Charles Curtis was Herbert Hoover's vice president, and he was a member of the Caw Tribe. Interesting. All right. Well, with that, we say thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I hope you meet us right back here Monday at 3. Until then, see if you can put a smile on somebody's face. Whatever gets you through the night. Through your life, it's alright.